Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Hey, Dad. Hey, what? What do they call pastors in Germany? Der pastor. No, that was a terrible guess. You should feel bad about yourself. I don't speak German. What's up? They called them German shepherds. go to your room you're listening to the wayward willis with john and logan where two atheists discuss religion culture and maybe some politics if you're offended by blasphemy profanity or you hate fun this podcast may not be right for you and now on to the show hey you it's us marginally attractive rhesus monkeys I'm John. And I'm Logan, a certified geekologist. This week, our podcast will be testable, repeatable, and have explanatory power. We're talking about science. Wait, what? Science? No. No, 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 no. You are the furthest thing from a scientist. But... Nope, shush. Nope, we are in my stomping grounds now. Sit back and enjoy the ride. Uh, okay, so what even is science? Well, I am glad you asked. Our friends at Merriam-Webster define science as knowledge or a system of knowledge covering general truths or the operation of general laws, especially as obtained and tested through the scientific method. Now, the reason that sounds far vaguer to you than you would have anticipated is because what the general populace thinks about science isn't exactly the case. If you take your ideas about science from movies and TV shows, science boils down to measuring things out in test tubes and blowing things up with trace amounts of chemicals. Yeah, I'm positive that's what science is. Yeah, of course you are. Fucking scrum. (laughs) While those sorts of things could technically be considered science, it goes far deeper than that. Does it also go harder, faster, and stronger? Okay, thanks, Daft Punk. (laughs) Science isn't really a thing, per se. Is it bigger than a bread box? My fist in your face is gonna be, or something. Man, this episode just got violent. Yeah, it did. So science isn't really a collection of things either. Science can best be described as a process by which we start with a question and end with a conclusion drawn from reliably gathered evidence and logic-based experimentation. Boring. Where are the explosions? In your house when I blow it up. Yep, more violence. In case you haven't been paying attention to our previous episodes, This takes a dramatic step in the opposite direction of religion. In contrast, religion essentially starts with a conclusion and leaves you with nothing but questions. Like, can God create a roller coaster even he's too afraid to ride? That would be impressive. I would ride that roller coaster. Right, exactly. Additionally, scientific progress is fact-based and constantly adapting as new discoveries are made, whereas religion is faith-based and survives solely by remaining stuck in the past, unchanging despite the cornucopia of contradictory information at our disposal. But I digress. The way we understand the world would be completely different if it wasn't for science. Nearly everything around us can be explained and used because of the scientific method, which is the fundamental technique we use to test and answer scientific questions. Like, why is the sky blue? That is your scientific question. It's limitless that... possibilities. And that's that's it. That's yeah. your, that's the extent of your interest. Well, I mean, that's like the most basic question that everybody asks. All right. Why isn't it orange? 
Nope, I'm done with you. Sometimes it's orange. The scientific method isn't so much a step-by-step process as it is rather a broad framework, though oftentimes in schools it's taught as an ordered list that might go something like this. Step one, make an observation. Okay, you're my son. you're, You're doing this? All right, whatever. Step two, ask a question. How did you become my son? Okay, I don't like where this is going. Step three, form a hypothesis. I totally did it with a girl. All right. Yep. So I was. You're welcome. Right. All right. Step four, conduct an experiment. Uh, I guess my girlfriend and I are having sex tonight. Bow, chicka, bow, bow. Uh, Please, no. Step five, analyze the data. I'll, um, write a review. Uh, I'm positive Mm -hmm. she's much better at it than I am. I don't think that Don would appreciate a Yelp review. (laughs) Step six, draw a conclusion. Uh, my girlfriend is better at the sex than me. Wait, wait, wait. What even was the first step? I hate you. You start by observing a curious phenomenon in the world around you, generally something that lacks an adequate explanation. Okay, I was on the right track. No, not at all. You then ask yourself, what might have caused that to happen the way that it did? Go on. Stop. You make a logical prediction based on the information you already have at your disposal about what the answer to your question might be, and then you design an experiment that will properly test that hypothesis. Booyah! No, that's... Shut up. Uh, When all is said and done, you gather up your results, interpret them, and hopefully get the answer to your question. Now, when you water it down like that, it seems simple enough, but in actuality, it takes a lot of attention to detail to really make sure that the data you're getting is reliable. There are a lot of variables that factor into everything that goes on around us, and even the simplest and most seemingly insignificant external factor can change an experiment's results dramatically. Even just observation. This is called the observer effect, as demonstrated by the double slit experiment. Or like how I seem like I can speak complete sentences when recorded on a podcast, but in real life, I don't even English. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. You don't even English. For real. That's why I've been placing so much emphasis on the word reliable, because if the testing conditions aren't isolated down to one single point of variance centered around the hypothesis, then the results aren't going to be credible, and you may as well just be manufacturing fake news. This is actually why a lot of the case studies you hear about on cable news or morning radio are such garbage. Also, because cable news and morning radio are garbage. I mean, that too, but you know. Someone starts with a genuine question and a testable hypothesis, then performs a half-baked experiment without any real semblance of science to back it up and passes the results off as fact. Yeah, a sample size of 100 doesn't extrapolate to an entire population. You feel good about yourself? I do. That was very scientific. Did you just like flip through a, a science thesaurus before we did this episode? No, I actually knew that one. Thank you very much. I'll believe it when I see it. For the record, eating a chocolate bar a day will not inherently make you stronger. No, but it can make you sweeter. On a side note, I heard that Gary Busey soaks his feet in his own urine because it's scientifically proven to prevent and cure athlete's foot. Google just helped me with that by suggesting, is peeing on your feet good for you? Well, that's the best way to gain newfound knowledge. Yeah, peeing on your feet. (laughs) No, not by peeing on your feet. (laughs) I thought any good science started with peeing on your feet. (laughs) All right, well, this is why you're not the scientist. (laughs) It's important to note, however, that even the most well-designed and fully reliable experiments still yield results that can't necessarily be taken as fact. Fake news. The scientific method doesn't yield absolute truths, but more along the lines of almost completely positive truths. So science always uses lowercase t's? Not always. That was dumb. You're dumb. True. We can't know everything there is to know, and scientific experimentation is a fantastic way for us to gain knowledge. 
but we have to acknowledge that the information we gain is subject to change at any point, and it's up to us to continue readdressing what we think to be true and adapting as new advancements and discoveries are made. See, this is why it's comforting to have an inerrant religious text like the Bible or the Quran. You don't have to worry about always having to learn new stuff. Kind of like why I hate my career, because every time I learn the latest, greatest programming language, they introduce a new framework and completely new language that does everything God can do, plus check your spelling. Whoa, I want a programming language that does everything God can do. Like build roller coasters? Just anything. Like <laughs> imagine my little universe generators, how cool they would be if they actually generated universes. Yeah, that's true. Oh, anyway, that's why you hear the word theory in science quite a bit. And this is the one big hang up that the religious crowd has when it comes to science as a whole. The colloquial use of the word theory implies something along the lines of a mildly educated guess. So when Pastor Bill hears about Darwin's theory of evolution, it's easy for him to write it off because it's just a theory. Well, Pastor Bill is like, just a theory, man. Oh, so deep, bro. <laughs> but the problems with that are at least twofold. At least. Firstly, it's referred to as a theory because there's no way we can know with 100% certainty exactly what has happened for the past couple billion years, because that's just not possible. What we can do, however, is use the scientific tools we have at our disposal to collect evidence and record data that will lead us to logical conclusions about what's been happening over the past couple billion years, and furthermore, the route that things will likely take in the future based on that information. But, um, were you there? Technically. I existed as uh, subatomic particles. <laughs> but that leads me to the second problem with Pastor Bill's statement. The religion that he's preaching in his church every Sunday morning has exponentially less evidence to back up any of its claims than Darwin's theory of evolution does. <clears throat> Zero. A gesundheit. So if he's going to be skeptical about the plausibility of logic-based reasoning, it might behoove him to take a step back and analyze his own faith-based perspective. Well, Ken Ham just completely pwned us atheists because he pointed out how science textbooks are always changing because they're wrong, but the Bible has stayed the same for thousands of years. Ergo, Bible is right. Checkmate. Yeah, because that's that's definitely how that works. Yeah, I always feel like when he checkmates somebody, he's actually playing Connect Four and doesn't really understand that word. Oh, man. Just like imagine all of the things that we thought were like 100% fact like 40 years ago and how dramatically the mindsets have changed. You're not wrong. <laughs> that's the worst possible excuse. Anyway, Pastor Bill is far from reasonable, and that's why there will always be an inherent discord between the scientific and religious communities. Well, there are still monkeys, so... Yay, apologetics! Science is hell-bent on propelling us forward by learning more about the world around us, and religion is dead set on keeping us tethered to old-age ideologies at any cost, to include impeding the scientific process. Um, yeah, because those old-age ideologies haven't changed, and Ken Ham says that means they're right, duh. Yeah, 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 my, my bad here. I'm in the wrong. I suck. You do. Historically, this is evident in periods like the Renaissance when the Catholic Church tried great scientists for treason and sentenced them to the death penalty. I believe the word you're looking for is heresy. Coming to an episode of the Wayward Willis soon. Bum, bum, bum. That's my plug. In Galileo's case, rather than being put to death, he was imprisoned in his own home. The Catholic Church allowed him to continue his research under the condition that he didn't disclose any of his discoveries to the general populace. Oh, I see. He established the precursor to the CIA, who does secret autopsies on aliens and then gaslights everyone who tries to get the truth. 
like Fox Mulder. Or Stranger Things. Yay, pop culture. <laughs> Science exists in many capacities outside of a laboratory environment, and it's almost always led to life-altering discoveries that change how we interact with the world around us. But sometimes it's just boring shit, like how to keep an apple from turning brown. But then again, who wants to eat brown apples? I mean... Yeah, I don't know why that's something that you wouldn't be interested in. Like, imagine how great it would be to not have your apples expire as quickly. Yeah, but what if you could make apples explode? That, That'd be even better. I hate you. Without scientific advancement, we wouldn't have the capacity to print religious texts in leather-bound books or have sermons blasted into our eardrums through the use of microphones and amplifiers. So I'm hearing you say we should be opposing science here. Basically, we wouldn't be able to sit in air-conditioned churches with indoor plumbing and electrically powered light sources. Yeah, but let's be honest. How many churches have you sat in, air-conditioned or otherwise? Unfortunately, quite a few. Oh. Yeah, fucking roasted. But by now, we've learned that religious leaders are fantastic at being selective when it comes to what things they will and won't accept, even in terms of their own doctrine. So I suppose this is another scenario where we shouldn't really be surprised. This is my surprised face. It's just as ugly as your regular face. Oh, that was mean. With that being said, no one knows better how little patience Pastor Bill has for scientific discoveries that counteract his faith than our interviewees this week. Because we play scientists on a world-famous podcast, we decided to pull in a couple of co-conspirators in the academic war on God, guns, and government. We're interviewing the hosts of the SJW Circle Jerk, Jeremiah Traeger, and a returning guest, Ari Stillman. How even are you doing today? Good question. (laughs) Academia is grinding me into a slow, sad pulp. (laughs) But other than that, I'm having an excellent day, so. Fantastic. (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know how to take that. I think that's good. It's 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 pretty good on, on all things considered. So 2017, we're going to die in the next few years, probably. It's great. It's, hashtag confirmed. <laughs> well, you know, everything that we do is aimed at trying to prevent that. So yeah, we're, we're going to stay optimistic. You you're you are more than welcome to do that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was just about to say there's nothing we can do. Just oh. accept your fate. All right. So <laughs> what you're saying is it's easier to just die calm than kicking and screaming. Right. My philosophy when it comes to humanity is never expect anything good to happen because then you can never be disappointed when nothing good happens. <laughs> it's it's just a bonus thing. Like if something good happens, you'd be like, Oh my god, I wasn't expecting nice surprise but if something bad happens you're like yeah that's par for the course i knew that was gonna happen (laughs) (laughs) hashtag stoicism oh yeah right okay well on that a horribly pessimistic note uh, (laughs) it's ari's life (laughs) (laughs) the the ari stillman story exactly (laughs) so the two of you spend a lot of time trying to get people to stop listening to you not that Uh i know i would never listen to your podcast but what's your favorite topic to scream into the void? Well, I, I've, I've, I don't know about Ari. Uh, there's, there's a lot on like the free speech issue, and it sounds like we might get into that. But I think part of my recent uh, revelations as of the past year is sort of kind of looking at previous assumptions in skeptical dialogue 
and and um, trying to unpack arguments and and looking at how you know when when we when we look at skeptical arguments and trying to change hearts and minds, I think there's a lot of like unjustified optimism that you know all we have to do is present the best arguments and and all this good faith conversation will cause everything to shake out. And I don't necessarily think that's always the case. I'm I'm not a fan of like government censorship. Like I I'm I don't want that to happen. But you know, I I think we do need to be a bit more cautious about our dialogue and and not, you know, platforming you know, uh, maybe harassment apologists or anything, just throwing that out there. But that's one of my, that's one of my favorite topics. I didn't know about Ari. Ari is probably sick of that shit because it's so obvious to, to, to trans <laughs> yeah, people maybe. Whenever we, we decide what we're going to talk about pretty much like maybe the day before we record and we record pretty much just whenever we feel like it or whenever we have time. And Jeremiah's like, we should talk about this. And I'm like, we've already talked about that. And he's like, damn it, you're right. How about this? No, we've already talked about that, too. So it's basically like deciding where to go to eat for dinner. Exactly. And then he's like, okay, you come up with a topic. And I'm like, I don't know. Just not that one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so since you spend a lot of time addressing social justice issues... Um, do you view social justice as a very broad umbrella or do you place a definitive number of issues in that term? Oh man, I don't even know. That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. Good questions are ones that you don't know the answers to apparently. I mean, I think that kind of speaks that I think the hesitancy there kind of speaks to how broad it can encompass because, you know, we, there's, there's a lot of criticism of, oh, we shouldn't be engaging in identity politics, and that's a common refrain from, you know, maybe the the far center. But if you think about it, you know, everyone's politics is, you know, a lot of the time it's based on uh, making sure people of certain identities get fair treatment. And that ranges from, you know, like superficial qualities like race or or you know, genders, things like that. But it but it also falls under other categories like class and everything and and all that kind of fits together and and you know every little aspect of society has those little biases that that work in it like the the military obviously like you would think that foreign defense maybe that you wouldn't immediately think that's a social justice issue but if if the army is not uh if if the army is banning people of a certain identity uh from partaking in this institution then that falls under that banner. So Right. And that, yeah. that yeah. is something that I wanted to get to. We can actually just skip ahead to that since you mentioned yeah. it. So this whole trans military ban was recently uh, taken to district court and the court ruled that trans military personnel would not be provided coverage for gender affirmation surgery. Um, now, I don't know if that also includes like hormone therapy as well. But what I wanted to say is, you know, fantastic that the the ban in large part was like struck down. Um, but there's this lingering little other part where it's like, you know, quote, normal people are entitled to all of their treatments and, and every surgery that they could possibly need. But then when it comes to 
trans troops, we're going to withhold specific treatment because it pertains specifically to being trans. So how is that affecting the troops? And, and what do you think of that? Uh, my under- I'm not a, a legal expert of any means. Um, so this is my understanding of what this ruling means. But um, so Trump's, I don't even want to call it a policy. That's such a loose term for it. But Trump's uh, proclamation for the military was uh, partially, you know, trans people can't be in the military. And then also, you know, the military uh, isn't going to pay for any kind of transition related care. And um, so the court said that, no, you have to let trans people in the military because that's a violation of their due process if you don't, because this was announced via frickin' Twitter. And also the military doesn't even agree with you, Trump. What's wrong with you? <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but um, but the, the part where he said that the uh, military does not have to pay for transition care is still intact. My understanding, and I could be wrong on this, is that the military gets to decide what they're going to do there. So they don't have to provide transition care, but it's not a ban on them providing transition care either. And um, it it sounds kind of strange, but I think the military is getting more progressive in this area even than Trump. They, uh, the leaders of the military have been pretty uh, for the most part, vocally opposed to Trump's so-called policy that he wanted to push through via Twitter. Actually, yeah, on that point, um, I still have a lot of buddies that I keep up with from the military, and they actually sent out a screenshot of an email that was spread to the entire, at least the Air Force, from high-ranking commanders who were basically like, yeah, fuck whatever this thing says. Just yeah, keep doing just... what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> exactly. So I think I'm optimistic that for the most part, trans people are still going to get their care. You know, it's it's kind of a gray area right now. And the Trump administration can appeal the district court's ruling and it'll move up to a higher court. And it's not clear yet whether or not they're going to do that. Knowing Trump's ego, I wouldn't be surprised if they do end up appealing, even though that's ridiculous and they're never going to get their way on that. Right. I feel like that's a double edged sword because his ego is very fragile and he needs affirmation. So he's going to fight whatever fight he deems necessary. But at the same time, this is kind of a losing battle constitutionally, it seems. So if he does fight this fight, then that's just not going to be good for his fragile Oh my gosh. Did you, did you read the statement of the judge who issued this ruling? It was beautiful. She said, basically, the reasons why I'm issuing this ruling are because it was issued the the... The policy, again, I don't know what word to use for it other than policy, which isn't quite accurate, was issued under very um, non-official circumstances, being Twitter. Uh, the military disagrees with it. And also, there are no facts backing up this position. Like, that's literally what the judge said. Like, Fantastic. yeah, you made all this stuff up. Um, it's not real. It's not based on science. It's not based on evidence. The military studies show that it doesn't have, you know, treating trans people in the military as humans who deserve health care and to be treated with dignity has a positive effect on the military, not a negative one. So you really have no case. Oh, boy. All right. So all of his stupid tweeting and ranting about this latest terror attack in New York City and the conspicuous absence of any real criticism or willingness to call the Las Vegas shooting terrorism, we clearly in America have a problem with guns. We have for a very long time. And when we are talking about science and we're talking about government, 
we should talk about how the CDC has in the past wanted to study gun violence and gun deaths as they would an epidemic, as as a disease. And through lobbying and just rabid pushback on the conservative side, this just has never happened. And it's even prohibited. What can we what can we say about this? Yeah, I thought there was a ban from the CDC on guns. But, you know, when we're actually discussing, you know, what to do about gun violence and the best measures to take, that's really priority number one for me is like getting the facts in. And regardless of whatever data you're looking at, I find it very hard and pretty unskeptical that anyone could make the that anyone could make the case that we shouldn't be getting more data. I think from a lot of conservative groups like the NRA, they are, you know, just just terrified that the facts are going to bear out in a certain manner and they they will, you know, straw man this as oh the the government is biased or there there are people in the CDC who have a liberal slant who want to control the population and 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 they're biased against guns so none of the results will be valid anyway so we're just gonna wholesale disregard anything that uh the cdc is gonna put out anyway and 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 you you can you can see some i i believe there were this this type of censor whether you call it censorship or not the censorious behavior started in the 90s when the cdc was looking into gun violence. And I think there may have been one government employee or one CDC employee who put out a little screed against gun violence. And because of that one person, now the the NRA has this this one shining piece of evidence, this one data point to see, to say, see, the CDC is completely unobjective. So uh, no studying of guns will ever give us facts that we can work with. So the reason that most people, uh, specifically the CDC, will not fund research against gun violence is because of the Dickey Amendment. That came out of the NRA. And that is why basically everybody's afraid to because the last person who, since the Dickey Amendment was passed, uh, the last person to do research on gun violence had basically a budget cut removed from their budget specifically for the amount of money they spent on gun violence research. So basically nobody wants to do that because they're afraid they're going to lose their funding. Yeah. And then the Clintons Science murdered them. Science is political. Science is political. <laughs> yeah. well, Science and, has always been political. So. Yeah. And that's a point yeah. that's been made. I mean, a, lo- a lot of people uh, have pushed back against, you know, let's let's keep politics out of science. But what does science i mean like most of the useful science that that we can invest in goes toward human welfare and mm-hmm. and when we're talking about you know human welfare and we're talking about the the greatest good for the the greatest number of people that that is political like you have to take a stance on that right and and whenever you're making a choice about what science to fund uh, what science to focus on you are always making a decision and those decisions have to be made by someone. And honestly, you know, people, people have this idea when they're talking about science, uh, they, they have this lofty abstract idea of a pure, like unfettered, you know, field of pure logic and reason. And that's a good ideal to work towards, but, but ultimately 
the process of science is is just a method to eliminate as many biases as we can find uh, in our studies. So really, like science, the finding of science, it is a human construct and it's going to be politicized um, especially if people are going to deny science, I've I've made a I've been I've publicly stated that science is political, and the people you can blame most for it are those who reject the findings of it, like who don't who look at the data and say nope, and especially for political reasons. So right. if you're if you're if you're talking about the findings of science, it's all political as long as political issues are contingent upon it. Right. And as long as those attitudes are, are coming out of political offices. Right. So that's a good segue. We've seen this entire administration have its pantry stocked with non-scientists in clearly science positions. Right. So one particularly egregious example would be the EPA and Scott Pruitt. How do you how do you have a climate denier in charge of the EPA? It doesn't make any sense. But, you know, like when it comes to our efforts on climate change and trying to work toward renewable energy sources and energy independence, where are we going with this? Like what what are these non-scientists doing to us? We're going down the toilet. That's where we're going. Uh-huh. But is it yeah, like the, is it like a low flow toilet that's environmentally <laughs> friendly? <laughs> like this, I mean, the administration has been basically anti science since almost day one. Um, in January, I think maybe three days after the inauguration, uh, the administration put out a policy. I'm not sure if it was a policy or if it was just a, you know, executive manu- memoranda or something. A tweet. Uh, try, yeah, maybe a tweet. Is <laughs> that the new exec? Is that the new executive memoranda? Do yes. they all come? It in really the- is. It really truly Jesus is. Christ. Yeah, they, I think may- Twitter should put some kind of mechanism in place where anytime that he tweets what is going to be official policy, it needs to be signed off by other Twitter accounts or something <laughs> like <laughs> like ratified. Well, it's just blowing my mind how much publicity Twitter gets now. Like Twitter wasn't ever really a big deal. And now it's just like Twitter all the time everywhere. Twitter. Yeah. Well, I so so what I was getting at is even in January, uh, the administration was trying to curtail the EPA, the USDA, and and any agency from the White House that that put out uh, that communicated taxpayer funded science, they uh, said they were they said that the administration said that the uh, those administrations were prohibited from uh, communicating about taxpayer funded work until further notice. So and and I don't know if anything happened as a result of that but that's why i'm following a ton of you know alt alt epa alt fda (laughs) accounts on twitter right now right but you know it it, that's that's really terrifying it's it's almost as if it's it's just like the um it's it's just like the cdc uh firearm studies like it's it's almost as if you know we're afraid of certain data and and that's the exact opposite of what we should be putting out. Like, if anything, we should making we should be making sure as much good science is available to the public. And and I I'm one of the people who thinks that you know scientists, um, the scientists working on the science should be communicating with the public more and more 
I don't think they should. I I think they should get out of their <laughs> ivory towers once in a while because a lot of the time, you know, journalism and even science communicators mess that up. And uh, this science um, journalism is terrible. Yeah, it it really is. And this is the exact opposite. It's basically penalizing the public from being well informed, and and and, and that's that's really terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's, this is something that we've talked about a lot um, in my program. I uh, am a master's student in psychological science, and we've talked a lot about this recent culture shift towards denigrating knowledge and denigrating science. And Trump is really, I think, a, a figurehead in that that whole, um, you know, my opinion is just as valid and worthy as somebody else's opinion because it's just one person's opinion versus another person's opinion. And they don't take into account that the scientist's opinion is based upon years and years of not only their own research and studies and readings, but that entire field as well. And there's there's a reason why there's such a thing as a scientific consensus. And, and people don't quite understand that it's not just, you know, scientists getting into a room and deciding that this is what we think now. It's based upon dozens and hopefully hundreds and hopefully thousands of studies into this specific area. And we find that Although each study has its own methodological flaws because nothing can be quite perfect, um, the the vast majority of studies find that this holds true. And so we can be reasonably confident that this does hold true. And if in the future we find out that we were wrong, we'll go back and revise it. And I, it's it, it's very hard for me to understand being a very academic person for my entire life who's always very much valued knowledge I don't understand why people are attracted to this idea that knowledge is a bad thing or that, I don't know, I guess they just feel that their worldview is being threatened in a way. Because, again, if if the data doesn't bear out in a way that you like, if it turns out that gun control would have, um, you know, the specific good effect on society, then that's a little bit bad for you politically. Right. Especially if. Especially if uh, your money is coming from that that area that is, quote, under attack. Yeah, it's all about the money. Okay, well, yeah. And also, you know, when we're talking about money and science, um, when we talk about the government agencies who have funding to do the science, that um, independent scientists and, like, private sector scientists may not be able to afford they may not be able to get the funding or the grants where was i going with that I, I i think that what i was going to say is like don't don't we think that it's even more important to continue funding the um government agencies that can do the science and then communicate it out uh and to encourage that transparency rather than to kind of shut down that government function and say, well, you know, free market, the the private scientists can do it better because they're not, you know, clouded by politics or whatever. Right. Well, that I think that mentality kind of misunderstands the value of a lot of fundamental and basic science. Uh, I'm not like private research is good because a lot of the time it does bear a lot of products. Um, that are useful to us, but um, when they're when companies are looking into private research, they are motivated solely by 
immediate short-term profit, which means they're going to look at very specific technologies that are almost guaranteed to bear fruit for their consumers, which is you know fine if we're looking at developing better technology and things like that. But when you're looking at fundamental basic science, a lot of the time – uh, well, well, the nature of science is that you're trying to find out what is going to be useful and what isn't or or how this phenomenon is going to work. And because you don't know what is going to happen ahead of time, you kind of have to take a little risk um, funding a lot of science. Uh, and and that's that's kind of the value in fundamental basic science. We we like a hundred years ago, we would have never, had any idea of how useful a laser would be, but it's almost ubiquitous in modern technology. We wouldn't, we, when Einstein developed relativity, we were like, we would have been like, well, that's pretty useless. What, what use are we going to have for that? And now we have a GPS systems and satellites that rely on that type of um, fundamental basic science. So, so it's really important that we're investing in public science because uh, we're, we're sort of if, – if I had to put it in economic terms, everyone is pitching in to sort of um, avoid risk behavior. You know, We're taking a risk on all this basic science that we don't know how it's going to turn out. And so everybody is sort of sharing in this risk by putting in a low amount and some of the, some of the findings will be useful. Some of them won't. A lot of science is crap. Um, but what does come out of it should be useful in the future. And, and, and you know, funding is always going to be a problem, but we should always be putting work into trying to find basic things that, that don't appear to bear fruit at first glance. So on the other end of the spectrum, uh, on a slightly more satirical but n- magical nonetheless note, uh, are you guys as excited about quantum theory as I am? I am. I know nothing of this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with oh my gosh. Quantum theory makes me so happy, and the actual fruits that we can bear from like advancements and discoveries in the field of quantum theory are just phenomenal. Like quantum computing is just around the corner. In fact, we're already like broaching technological advancements in that area, and it is so exciting for me. Well, I mean, you. Well, here's the other thing. Well, quantum theory. It, it it spawns from the idea of quantized energy levels when you and that's basically what that's when einstein discovered the photoelectric effect for that's what he got his nobel prize for not not a relativity he discovered that there are electronic energy levels in atoms what you get out of electronic energy levels means that a semiconductor has band gaps when you get band gaps you get semiconductors when you get semiconductors, you get modern day computing. So we're already benefiting from quantum theory. We wouldn't be talking right now if it weren't for uh, this this discovery. But if you, if we were in whenever it was discovered, nineteen seventeen or whatever, we would have been like, well, that's that's cool. What are we going to get out of it? And we're already seeing the fruits being born. Indeed, we are. Yeah. Oh, that was your follow up. I mean, I didn't really have a follow-up. I, I was just excited <laughs> about quantum theory, and I wanted to share in my excitement. Fuck you. No, no. It's, <laughs> so how about the human epigenome? How about that? That's my thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's uh, a nerdy thing we could talk about. That shit I mean, makes me so hot. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, that was, 
<laughs> there we go. We're sexualizing the human epigenome. Sweet. <laughs> I, no I guess you guys shame. were right. We don't king shame on our show. Rule 34. <laughs> no, that's Rule 34. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wait, God, how, how many total rules are there? No, no, no. You don't understand. You're not privy to the internet things. Go away. Oh, this for is not your conversation. <laughs> okay, so yeah. My role on this podcast is I am the old person and yeah. I have to be we- taught stuff. We've already managed that. And I keep trying to fucking teach you things, but you refuse to plug that USB flash drive into a TV and watch some damn Rick and Morty. Okay. You should feel personally attacked because you're a terrible person. <laughs> so. All right. I want to take this conversation back. And nope. yeah. And <laughs> so, Jeremiah, when, when you were talking earlier, a lot of the you know words and phrases that you were using are really indicative of kind of socialism. Oh no! <laughs> ah, that's a scary term. Ah! But socialism you know, is good, though. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, Christianity is stupid. <laughs> are, are those polar opposites? Yes. Oh, all right. Well, if you listen to the uh, the high school I went to for the last two years of high school, yep, they, those are the opposite things. All right, there you go. Socialism bad, Christianity good, right? Indeed. Confirmed. Go- all right. Solved. Problem solved. Okay. Conversation. Move on. Yeah, but what I wanted to do was I wanted to point out the fact that NASA, um, because Republicans love spaceships, I, I don't know why they're they're so in love with space, and, and Donald Trump is like, we're going to Mars. So without NASA, first of all, do you think we ever would have gotten to the moon in the late 60s had we not publicly socialized the space program? <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's part of the uh the risk I was talking about. We invested in a difficult program. Everybody sort of shared it. Um we weren't necessarily promised any technologies going into it that would benefit the the uh general public, but we got a lot out of it. We learned a lot more about the moon. Um, and I, I, it's not a market based solution. Like people, people point to Elon Musk all the time and, uh, I think he's great. Um, I think he has a lot of cool ideas. He might be a bit batshit crazy, but you kind of need that sometimes, but he's not really indicative of, uh, most market based discovery and, and entrepreneurship. Like he's, he's an extreme outlier, Maybe, maybe you know, SpaceX things like that are are looking for you know interesting things. They're developing cool uh, renewable rockets, so we don't have to waste resources. But you know, how how long is that going to last? You know, we'll we'll, we'll see. I, I I think you know, always having social programs and and again putting this in economic terms, everybody spreading out the risk. It's like an insurance company. Everybody puts in a little bit and then uh, they distribute the risk amongst everyone. So we're we're distributing the uh, the possibility that uh, the science won't bear out. But science often gets us a huge return on investment anyway, just by finding basic science. And another huge problem with private industry doing the majority of science is that once they find something, they own that material and they get to decide who has access to it and how much it's going to cost for them to get access to it and all of that. Right. Whereas ideally it doesn't always bear out this way, but ideally with publicly funded 
science, you know, that information belongs to the people. And of course, there's lots of issues with uh, the cost of a journal subscription and access to being able to read actual, you know, the firsthand actual study rather than just reading whatever your local ABC affiliate reported about it, which is probably wrong, which I talk about on my uh, my Patreon show. I talk about bad psychology reporting for the most part. And that's a very dismal state of affairs. We definitely need more actual scientists communicating science rather than journalists who don't have any specific scientific training reading a press release and then taking what they think they know from that press release and reporting it. And it turns out they didn't actually report it correctly at all. But that's a whole other topic. At nine o'clock, can chocolate help you have babies? (laughs) Yes. Exactly. I mean, chocolate always makes for a better sexy time for me. I don't know about you. I mean, I'm actually brutally offended by chocolate, so that wow. that would be the complete opposite of engaging in sexy wow, time for you're, me. Wow, you're a cuck. Wow, this is awful. <laughs> he, he is an awful person. Whoa! Hey! <laughs> I am actually, delightful! Fuck all of you! Actually, about 70% of chocolate is taken from non-ethical sources. Whoa! Anyway. <laughs> oh. so You're gonna... a bad person if you eat chocolate, most likely. I so never all of the eat babies chocolate. that come out of the chocolate that you engage in will by by the process of the transitive property be also bad people. I'm, yeah. just, I'm just picturing like some African orphan following into the falling into the cocoa grinder and everyone's <laughs> oh, like drugging. What the fuck? Well, no, but ground up baby is an aphrodisiac, right? So there you go. That's that's well, how I it mean, works. As atheists, we should be very accustomed to that taste. And and if that aphrodisiac uh, helps uh, more couples get laid, then that's actually like an investment of one child, and then you get out multiple children. So actually, it does create babies. So are we saying that it's ethical to grind up babies? <laughs> that's what I heard. I'm saying it's a cost, you know, cost and this, reward. Yeah, this is how it cable news. How, how utilitarian you tend to skew in your philosophy. <laughs> this is how cable news portrays science. <laughs> <laughs> it pretty much is. No, they would not have talked about it at as, as much length as we have. It would have been over in 15 <laughs> right. seconds. Oh, they would right. have read a headline and that well, would have been it. See, that's why we do the hard-hitting journalism here. <laughs> a new study shows that grinding up babies will be the way to save our planet. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, what we need is more planet was to have fewer babies. Yeah. Actually, no, grind yeah. up the babies, but don't put them in the chocolate. Just grind them up. So oh, 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 <laughs> what, if, what do we do with them at that point? Compost. Oh. A modest proposal. Aw, then, we'll, <laughs> then we use them to fertilize farmland. There we go. This is the solution that to world hunger. Great. And then it solves world hunger. Oh my gosh, we are geniuses. We're solving the grind world's up, problems right now. Grind up babies, now. fertilize crops, solve world hunger. This, Lower this population, actually, higher food. We've got this. This actually was one of our uh, one of our show topics. We we proposed Grinding a movement. Up babies. We propose not grinding up babies. But that's a good addition. It's it's sort of a, an antinatalist movement uh, to make sure you don't have children without consent, and it basically solves all the world's problems. Oh, I heard that. That whole one hundred percent of uh, what was it? One hundred percent of babies born without consent die. Die. Yeah, <laughs> solves death. We yeah. did a lot of research for that show. We're very proud. Yeah. That's pro- probably our finest, uh, our finest reporting piece that we've done. Also, our only reporting piece that we've done, <laughs> <laughs> which means it's the finest. 
Okay. So yeah, it's funny how we're criticizing journalism for not doing research and we actively avoid preparing for our show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Sorry for taking you off the rails. This is every time I'm on a podcast. Off the rails. No, I no, mean, no, no. This no. is every time we're on our own podcast. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> if we're staying on topic, we are not even recording. Well, if we're staying on topic, it means I'm not doing my job right. So <laughs> it's good to know that I'm still relevant somehow. So, any more questions? Um, yes. So I have. Okay. What's I, the question? I, oh, I want to go into kind of a fun question, and then I wanted to go into sort of a thought experiment. So the first one is: uh, recently, Sam Clovis withdrew his nomination for the USDA. How could uh, that possibly be a better idea? Um, <laughs> so who do you think his replacement's going to be? Ooh, that's a good question. Okay, Donald let me, Trump. let me put it this way. Trump stakes. <laughs> Who's, yeah, just a stake. They're going to replace him <laughs> with a stake. No, no, no. Trump himself. I mean, who better to judge the quality of meat than a man who owned his own steak business? I'm going to go with Kevin Spacey. Oh, God. Not a scientist and also a rapist. Two well, of the things that Trump loves the most. He doesn't love Hollywood liberal trash, though. And since Kevin Spacey is part of Hollywood, he's Hollywood liberal trash by default. Yeah, mm. and, he's and he doesn't want to give gay people jobs. Yeah. Let's see. So maybe, well, Papadopoulos actually didn't get fired. Well, he didn't step down because he didn't know anything about USDA. Uh, he got He stepped down because he had Russian connections. So oh, I guess we're talking yeah. about Clovis. Oh, sorry. Yes. But Clovis, Clovis had connections with Papadopoulos who just yes. got indicted on Monday. Right. So, um, so I guess, uh, Vladimir is out. He was in my bracket, but I don't think he's going to be, um, a nomination for the USDA. Uh, I, I would say probably just some like country singer since they seem to know a lot about agriculture. <laughs> well, like, I hear maybe Ted Ted, no, he's not a country singer, but yeah, he would be a good, he'd, I'd, I'd go Ted Nugent. Ted okay. Nugent for USDA. Okay. So Kevin Spacey or Ted Nugent, these are our <laughs> finalists. Okay, uh, my money's on Ted Nugent, actually. He's already been to the White House once. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so if if you were to pick a fictional character to head Pickle the Rick. USDA, who, who are you going to pick? Um, My self-esteem. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Oh, you are valued, and we love you. <laughs> you are valued at three dollars. That is your value. <laughs> I was gonna pick the farm babe, but she's real. Um, poop. Okay, uh, so you're picking poop. Yeah, poop is I not fictional. Uh, probably Matthew McConaughey's character <laughs> in Interstellar. Uh, <laughs> okay. He, Oh wait, no, 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 Matt, no, 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 Matt Damon no. in Matt in... Damon in The Martian. Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, he would be perfect. Actually. Yeah, because then you have a fictional character and poop. You know, he <laughs> no. he, he, he would be him. able he would be able to overturn the Trump presidency just by virtue of being in the USDA, just because of what a fucking badass he is. Like that. That is. He needs to be the oh, USDA. For clarification, my dad hates every good movie ever, and I'm pretty sure The Martian is included in that category. No, I, I liked that one. Oh, all right. Well, I stand corrected. I hate movies that treat me like I'm an idiot, like Transformers. Uh, I uh, I prefer cisformers. They're they're uh, 
why, why are we talking about Transformers? I like my cars that stay the same every time I look at them. <laughs> there, there is something to be said for consistency, right? Yikes. That was transphobic. <laughs> he started it. It wasn't me. Oh, one day you're non-binary, the next day you're a hive of bees. Which is it? Pick. You gotta pick one. I Look, put the cis inconsistency. So. When you start being a 16-digit sequence of numbers, yeah. that's where I draw the line. Uh, being trans is great, you guys. Awesome. Hey, you can't go overseas and die now. So that's, well, you can, <laughs> yeah. but... You don't... Yeah, my my university seems to think that I want to do that. Oh, yeah. No, you have to tell them because you brought up – we talked about the trans ban. Tell them about your thing. That was – Okay. To... Whoa, whoa, so, whoa. You don't want to hear about your thing on this podcast. But, well, Wait. you won't hear about my thing. <laughs> so I was trying to register for classes. Uh, I already have you know my schedule all planned out. I know exactly what classes I'm going to take, so I – had everything in my little cart online on my student portal, and I pushed the button, and it says, you can't register for cl- for classes. There's a hold on your account. I'm like, okay, what's that? Um, so I go back to the main part of where you can see where there are holds and like stuff that you have to do on your account, and it says um, that I have not signed up for the selective service, so there's been a hold on my account. And uh, I am legally female and have always been legally female. And I have always indicated that on all the forms that I've provided to the university. But I think because my name is Ari, they decided that I am a man and that I need to sign up for the draft, which I wouldn't be able to do anyway because I'm trans and legally female. (laughs) So they want me to sign up for a military that I'm not supposed to be serving in anyway. Very interesting stuff. I don't know if they do this at every public university because this is the first time I've ever gone to public school in my life. But like they got sent records from from the government saying like, hey, this person is between the ages of 18 and 25 and didn't sign up for the draft, which they have to do or else they can't do government stuff, which includes being part of a public university. I have friends who are trans guys who once they change their name and they change their legal gender to male then the school is like, oh, you have to sign up for the draft. And they're like, I can't do that. I'm not allowed to be in the military. And they're like, whoopsie. <laughs> 2017 is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is best year ever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this year's mascot is a garbage bag. <laughs> <laughs> a, a fiery dumpster. Yeah. With homeless people gathered around it. A garbage bag full of crumpled up photos of the distracted boyfriend meme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. All right. So final question. Right <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're, we're bringing Matt Damon back. So we talked about Elon Musk and we talked about privatizing the space program. So let's talk about Mars. What is your take on going to Mars? We're going to build a bridge to Mars. It's probably cool. I'm terrified of space, so I wouldn't do it. But if other people want to do it, that's their personal decision. And I do not stand in their way of having their individual liberties to do what they please with their life. I'm a libertarian. Oh, can I ask you a sidetrack question? Okay. Okay. If you're afraid of space, are you also afraid of submarines? Uh, 
no. I've never really thought about submarines. I'm probably scared of them. I'm scared of almost everything. That was a very palpable question, Mark. <laughs> I, I, I think we should get a space elevator. Um, yeah. <laughs> keep keeping in with the keeping in with the administration's theme. I think they put out a notice a couple of weeks ago that they would focus more on missions to the moon, actually, than Mars, which um, maybe I'm getting into some blasphemy here. But I think this is one of the few good things that the Trump administration has been done. I think it'll be cool to go to Mars. Um, I'd love to I'd love to go to Mars myself. Um, But I think we actually really do need to focus on like a closer term like goal that we can work towards and like creating a colony on the moon would be a lot easier and would help us iron out a lot of the kinks before we make this giant uh you know uh light minute-esque shift um all the way to mars and and so i think we need to go to the moon first but it's really weird because for a humanist i actually like really hate people a lot and I don't think humanity needs to survive. I would like humanity to die. So don't go to the moon. <laughs> that well, actually re- reminds me, like a decade ago, there was a movement called the Voluntary Human Extinction Movement. Had you ever heard of that? <laughs> Those so, are my people. <laughs> so it was, it was basically uh, people trying to get everyone to commit to not procreating ever and just letting <laughs> humans die out. <laughs> If we do end up colonizing Mars at some point in the future, do you think that it's just going to be the fictional or sorry, non-fictional version of Wally where we're just going to take all our shit that like the problems that we've brought to the Earth and just shift them over to Mars instead and then fuck that place up, too? Oh, of course. I mean, being a student of psychology, absolutely. Humans are awful and never learn. That's the one thing you learn from psychology, is that human nature is very static. It what does not tend to the, change too much. What if we just put the smart people in space? Is what that if eugenics If we that took yes, them it is. and pushed Let's them take to Mars. the rationalists who never make logical <laughs> errors and put them on the colony. This will be perfect. Everyone on Twitter who has skeptic or reasonable or rational in their little bio, you're going to Mars. Can oh, we hey, back. all white. What a coincidence. Wow. <laughs> can, if we do that, if we end up doing that, can we change Mars's name to Vulcan and just like go that route? <laughs> hey, well, for what it's worth and for anybody listening right now, you can, as of this moment, buy real estate on Mars. So go for it while you still have a chance. Does Trump own any of it? Uh, I can imagine that he probably does. But I mean, yeah, yeah pretty much anybody. Yeah, that place is going to shit. Pretty well, much yeah. anybody can just get on the internet and start buying real estate on Mars right now. The the market is obviously ripe for the picking. It's pretty, it's, it's magical what we can do with space. <laughs> it's magical what rich people can do with their money that doesn't help anybody. Uh, oh, man. Hashtag Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> Socialism for the win. No, 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 that's not the same. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, socialism. Okay. <laughs> well, I think that we've... We've made enough mischief today. <laughs> mischief right. managed. Yeah. Well, what websites and social media profiles can we tell everyone to stay away from so they don't find either of you? Uh, don't listen to the SJW Circle Jerk on Spreaker. I think that's the only place you can not listen to it. You can also not listen to it on iTunes. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So, uh, And you can find me at Gerbivore 
on Twitter. Uh, and I guess friend me if you want on Facebook, Jeremiah Traeger. And you do a bloggy blog. Oh, yeah. I, I, I contribute to a tippling philosopher on Patheos. Uh, it's not my oh, blog. Yeah, I, I just... forgot about that thing that I do every week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if if you're into skeptic-y, philosophy, science-y shit, um, yeah, check it out. I, I, the rest of the blog is also philosophy, so uh, I think it's a good blog. I'm, I'm glad I get to contribute to it. So. All I heard just now is that it's trash. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> the commenters are trash, that's for sure. Oh, my God, I have a Nazi goat, and I'm not I'm, exaggerating. I mean, the internet is trash as a whole, so we shouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Ari? Your stuff? Uh, yeah, also on SJW Circle Jerk for some fucking reason. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm the co-host of the Gaytheist Manifesto with Callie Wright, and I'm also the co-host of the Sister Getting Out of Hand with Marissa Alexa McCool. Do a lot of podcasting things. I don't do bloggings really anymore, and I don't have Twitter because I don't see the point of Twitter, but I do have Facebook, Ari Stillman. That's where I pretty much live. <laughs> okay. Does that mean you're homeless? <laughs> oh, wow. I'm an internetizen, actually. Thank you oh, very much. Right, right, right. Sorry. We're colonizing <laughs> the internet now. <laughs> I heard that you can uh, go online right estate. now and buy real estate on <laughs> I want to buy a portion of the deep web. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, be careful. Oh, <laughs> trust me. All right. Anyway, so thank you, guys. <laughs> All right. Well, I have had a lot of fun talking to both of you, and I really do appreciate you giving us some of your time. We're sorry. I have, I have had moderate quantities of fun. That's all right. He he always has more fun than he says he does. That's false. I got his attention, so that's he, good for me. We talked about <laughs> quantum theory. It was a good day. It was a good day. <laughs> Well, I'm finally out of my food coma from Thanksgiving, and the ritual slaughter of large-breasted birds got me to thinking, what's the deal with our stupid tradition of presidential turkey pardons? Last week, Daddy Trumpo pardoned two turkeys named Wishbone and Drumstick. Now, apart from the obvious lack of creativity in comparison to last year's tater and tot, there really wasn't any difference in this year's pardoning ceremony. Almost. First, Trumpo asked permission from the turkey handlers before touching them, which is a huge departure from Mr. They-let-you-do-it-to-them. Certainly, someone from his voter base could use this as an example of how he's a gentleman and couldn't be guilty of sexual assault because, look, he asked permission. But let's be real. Trumpo's just afraid of turkeys. I'll take his side on this. Turkeys are assholes. Second, he made a funny about how he's been overturning his predecessor's accomplishments, but he was told he couldn't overturn the pardon of Tater and Tot. Oh, you comedian, you. The problem is, if you're like me and you think a little bit deeper than the surface on things, you'll recognize that he's making jokes about purposely harming Americans by undoing things that helped them. That's not fucking funny. You're joking about the health and well-being of millions of American citizens. Fuck you. Third, did anyone else notice that both turkeys were spotlessly white? Appropriate for this president, I must say, even if that's a low blow. Sorry if that makes me an asshole. Overall, I have no idea why turkey pardoning exists. It's just another tradition performed because of tradition. 
It's like religious rituals that have no purpose whatsoever, but maintain importance and observance because, hmm, you know, religion. Turkeys like the ones pardoned are anatomically crippled because they're bred, selected, and raised for one purpose, eating. They have a maximum lifespan of 10 years and much, much fewer if they don't get pardoned. The pardon isn't doing these birds any favors. It's actually just prolonging an inevitable death from being artificially selected for the dinner table. Sure, it's a cutesy little ceremony, like the Easter egg hunt, but it doesn't have the added benefit of being an opportunity for kids to visit the White House and have an experience they'll remember forever. It's just a photo op for a president to do something considered endearing and basically make a mockery of presidential pardons as a concept, as though Trumpo's pardon of Joe Arpaio didn't already accomplish that. If we were to translate this practice to humans, it would be as though millions of humans were sentenced to death just because they're human, and the president announces he's pardoning the two most popular humans. What's my point? Nothing, really, just that turkey pardoning is stupid and pointless, and I took part in the destruction of an unpardoned turkey on Thursday. Poor bird. Never stood a chance. We hope you had a happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Random bird. Random bird. Random bird. Random bird. This week, we're going to give a little attention to a religion that we haven't discussed much on this show. Our random verse this week comes from the Hindu Isa Upanishad, verse 3. It goes like this. Demonic verily are the worlds which are enveloped in blinding darkness, and to them go, after death, those who harm their inner selves. Well then. So yeah, Hindu religion has an concept of the self which is connected to basically everything and so when you talk about the divine self or god then you're talking about basically everyone like the the spirit of everyone combined really kind of makes up what we would call god and so this is saying that people who harm their inner selves by engaging in wicked actions or harmful behaviors are not going to have a good time in the afterlife. Um, yeah, it sounds like the afterlife is a place where nobody has a good time in general, but I, I guess this is the uh, elaborated version of that. Well, I don't know if it's elaborated, but it's blinding darkness. So who really has a good time? I mean, unless it's like some big orgy or something. If it's completely blackout dark and you're just groping around like and have no idea what is around you or where you're going, then I could see that being a really bad time, especially if there's some kind of eternal attribute to this whole thing. Uh, I don't understand how you could possibly use the terms giant orgy and a bad time in the same sentence. <laughs> Point taken. But... <laughs> Well, actually, I was going to say, what if it's like a demonic orgy? But even then, I mean, that sounds like it could be a good time. I mean, yeah, I, I've never heard a bad story about a succubus, so. <laughs> True. But yeah, so this whole like after you die, this is where you go thing is really universal across all religions. And so this is kind of the the Hindu concept of hell, I guess. But there's really no indication as to how long you're going to stay in this blinding darkness, groping around and like tripping over things and other people. 
So I'm not sure how bad we're supposed to feel like this really is. Uh, yeah, but I feel like the general assumption is that all of these things are eternal. So you're just going to have a bad time for literally ever. Right. But Hindus also have the concept of reincarnation. So, well, yeah, but do bad people get to be reincarnated? Yeah, they just get reincarnated as horrible, horrible things because of karma. Uh, So like you could get reincarnated as a slug or something gross like that. Well, maybe it's like limbo and inception. Like you could be stuck in this like pitch black awful place for what feels like an eternity but then when you pop out it's like no time has passed at all that's true but i also think that um hindus and maybe even buddhists as well actually i'm pretty sure buddhists when they're talking about the places you go when you're bad they have the they actually specify sometimes like millions of years or like one million years to the 10 to the 17th power or something like that like it's just ridiculous weird numbers where it may as well be eternity but it's just a really 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 long time uh yeah i mean i feel like waiting a million years to get reincarnated would be really not a good time (laughs) yeah well and but this doesn't even indicate that you're being tortured or anything like that i mean the the christian concept of hell is a lake of fire where you're burning for eternity and there's no water to quench your thirst and you're getting like tortured by demons or whatever and then the muslim concept of hell is like having your flesh cut off over and over and over again like you're in chains for eternity and so this one just saying that you go to a world that's enveloped in blinding darkness like honestly that sounds pleasant in comparison uh yeah actually i gotta agree Demonic verily are the worlds. Why are they demonic, though? Is um, it just the blinding darkness part? Well, I mean, demonic really just indicates that there is an abundance of evil. So, like, all of the mm-hmm. bad people would be compiled into this or these worlds because it's plural and they would just not be able to see anything. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. It doesn't sound that bad to me, honestly. Yeah, I uh, I sometimes just like to sit in a dark room just for the hell of it. Yeah, so, and I like mean, hum or whistle. All right, well, well, not like that. Well, I mean, you do whistle a lot. Yeah, I do, and you hate it, and <laughs> and I don't understand why. Because it's I shrill. Do understand why, but it's annoying because uh, I like whistling. It, yeah, but it's pretty shrill when you're not the one whistling. I mean, it is shrill even when I am the one whistling. Oh, okay. I well, like it. Thank you for admitting that. I never denied that it was shrill, <laughs> but I also feel like you're just a little bit intolerant. Oh. Okay, well, you're probably not wrong. Anyway, that's completely unrelated to anything we were talking about. (laughs) That's true. So, yeah, the only other thing that I wanted to talk about with this is the term inner selves. And not really to, like, make some stupid joke about how do you know what's your inner self and your outer self. But But you made it anyway. But I made it anyway. I almost (laughs) feel like, you know how some people say, like, I should go to jail for abusing my inner child? your inner child yeah like i don't think i've ever heard that phrase before in my life yeah so like when you grow up and you're an adult and you stop having fun then you could say that you're abusing your inner child that seems very dramatic well i mean i take every opportunity i can to nurture my inner child in like having nerf battles with my son and (laughs) playing video games yeah the one you actually love 
Oh, that makes me feel so bad. Yeah, it should. Fucking asshole. What? Roasted. I'm doing a podcast with you. Okay, fine. Whatever. <laughs> I get no credit for anything that I do. Nope, never. I only recognize the bad things you do. Oh, okay. Well, I feel like that makes me sort of like a weatherman because anytime the weather's bad, they get blamed. But when the weather's good, everyone's just like, meh, good weather, whatever. Yeah, yeah that that is exactly it. You're the parent form of a weatherman. Damn it. That makes me feel horrible. <laughs> I mean, you turned out semi-okay, so. <laughs> semi-okay. <laughs> just incredibly nihilistic and <laughs> jaded. Yeah, pretty much. That, that basically sums it up. So uh, anyway, if uh, if you had to rate this first on a scale of having your flesh torn from your body repeatedly for all eternity to uh, a demonic orgy with a bunch of succubi, what would you rate it? Uh, I would rate this probably somewhere around being reincarnated as a poison dart frog. <laughs> Wouldn't that be pretty cool, though? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's oh. it's on the cool side, but at the same time, you're a frog. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking that as a positive though this verse gets okay so this is actually a pretty awesome verse sure nailed it nailed it and with our tests verified and peer-reviewed that wraps up another episode if this is as much fun for you as it is for us consider becoming a patron and get bonus content like our favorite people Gatheist, lisa mclean and holly vane until next week if you have questions or comments please send us an email to podcast at waywardwillis.com Intro music was provided by Austin Cologne and used with permission. You can find more of Austin's music linked in the show notes. This podcast is a media production of Willisware LLC. All rights reserved. This has been the Wayward Willis. If you liked what you just heard and you want more of John and Logan, you can follow us on Twitter at Wayward Willis, Facebook at facebook.com slash the Wayward Willis, or at willisweb.com. If you want to help the show and have a few extra dollars, you can donate per episode or per month on Patreon at patreon.com slash wayward. We'll be back next week. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.